bullet holes in the doors and things like that. And that's where we got told what, what happened. Up in the air, like spaghetti. It was insane. Absolutely insane. I had no idea what was going on. Um, yeah, you've got bed bugs and yeah, it broke up with sores and yeah, it's just, it was disgusting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, uh, that's pretty hectic. All right. G'day, I'm Jason and welcome to Fit for FIFO. This week, we meet Brett, the diamond driller from Tassie. He shares with us stories of working in countries such as Ethiopia. He also tells us how he manages to stay fit and healthy while working in remote locations. And finally, he shares with us an interesting little business plan he has, which involves farming mushrooms. Just a heads up, we had to cut out a few small bits due to some technical issues. Though, apart from that, I hope you enjoy it. Here it is. It's yeah, not happy. Good. Is that, is that, is that wide face? Yeah, that's good. Does it look like I'm wide? No, nah, you look good, mate. That's fine. You look well, good. I can see it's like you, yeah, all good. Looks like you've just been at the gym, mate, working out, have you? No, I just haven't read. Being entertaining. Having a rest. Oh, yeah, just nice being entertaining. One. I um, yeah, just, yeah. just excused myself from entertaining, so, yeah. Oh, good. Uh, mate, I'll just start. Um, firstly, just to let everyone know that we're on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. Um, we're on Spotify now, and uh, we were on iTunes, and we're just having some problems at the moment. Um, so that's where you can find us. What about yourself, Brett? Where can we find you, mate? Uh, pretty much Instagram. Um, I've uh, I pretty much just use Instagram because it's it's like photos and videos. Um, I've yep. still got Facebook, so you can still talk to your mates um, from back in the day when yep. Facebook started, and so you can still get invited to parties and things like that. But um, I use I use Instagram as um yeah, I, own, I own your morning. It's um, only re- morning. only recently changed um to own your morning um, because I yeah. it's all about. When I go to work is yeah, getting it done in the morning and yeah. I figured out about this works make. Nice, nice, cool. Um so let's start off with um a little bit about yourself and what you do in FIFO. Uh Diamond Driller. Uh, a few different types of uh drilling, but um mainly diamond drilling. Um and, and as of right now, uh Chinese driller driller. Um, and yeah, diamond drilling. And um, right now we're doing it's actually geotechnical drilling um, up at the snowy mountains, uh, so they can expand yeah. their hydro plant. Yeah. Right. Right. Nice. And, and um, what other roles? What other? So what's what's um? So expanding the the hydro plant. Nice. And how long are you up there for? Um. So they they don't really want us there for winter because you get snowed in and um you can get stuck at work or can't get to work. Um, as much as we try and clear the way. Um, and then also you can't really turn the rig off or anything like that. Um, so it gets a little bit uh, too dangerous. Um, but we do catch the start and, and the end of the, the winter. So a bit of, bit of snow. And um, half the blokes of the bed are actually there to enjoy the experience of a different sort of climate, which is virtually why I went over there. Um, but yeah, we so I did last uh, summer. And then now this is the second summer. Where um yeah, this probably might be the last summer before we actually start 
uh, digging the tunnel before they start digging yeah. the tunnel. Okay. They're virtually putting a turbine 1K under the ground to um, yep. to push the water comes down with uh, gravity and yep. then um, and it spins the turbine, creates power for, for Sydney and for Melbourne. Oh, wow. So quite, that's going to be quite, yeah, yeah. quite a big project then, I suppose, yeah, in, the in the future. In massive um, cabin 1K under the ground. Wow. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take another six years. Before they right. can, um, yeah. So that'll that'll just start ramping up shortly, I assume. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. There's still another another nine holes, and then yeah, mm-hmm. that's where I am at the moment. Nice, mate. Nice. Bit closer um, to yeah, home. What other roles? What other roles have you done in um, Vifo? Is it mainly been around that sort of like drilling stuff, or? Yeah. So I started off um, virtual at uni, and um, mm-hmm. at the time I had a mate um, in drilling. He was going to be making it a lot more than me, um, even when I'd finished uni. Um, and all he had yeah. was a truck license. And he, he wasn't too switched on. So I thought, if he can do it, I'd say uh, I'll definitely be able to do that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, I went yeah. into drilling back when I was 21. Um, and uh, with Bort Longyear in diamond drilling. Uh, and then I went over to a bigger rig doing mud rotary style drilling. Um, that company actually got sued. And then they, they said that we'll get you another job um, to two of us. And um, that another job was actually in Africa. Wow. Um, so went over to Africa and then after Africa, went um, offshore as a um, solids control engineer, running pumps virtually. Right. And then uh, from that to roughnecking and then back to land rigs to where I am now. Right. So what's the difference between a roughneck and, um, and a driller exactly? Uh, roughneck is virtually a labourer. Have you seen the movie by any chance? Um, with uh, Mike Wahlberg, where he's the rigs on fire, and over in off the coast of America, he so he was uh, in that movie. He's an electrician, and they've got the roughnecks. Um, and the best, um, without getting into too much detail, the best thing I'd say to people is that they're roughnecks. That's what um, it's Blue Water Horizon. That that's the movie okay. um, where they they had the massive oil spill, and um, yeah, remember how BP did that over on off, off the coast of America, on the uh, west yeah. coast of America. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, that's a roughneck. Yeah, right. So the roughneck um, throws pipe. Um, you drill down to, to five, six Ks. And then when you're actually mm-hmm. drilling, um, I'm down in the Shaker House, uh, where you've got um, all your mud returns and you're helping the Derrickman, who's um, actually, uh, it's got nothing to do with the actual Derrick. He's down at the pumps. And yeah, mm-hmm. yeah roughnecking's... Um, 12 hours a day of just labour. Just labour. Yeah, 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 so out of all those jobs, roughnecking is the most physical job, yeah, even though all the other ones are physical as well, but yeah, roughnecking right. is where it's at. And Ben and Derek yeah. job. Right, and so the driller, you're obviously you're controlling um, like the, the equipment that's doing all the drilling, is that right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so for example, like um, offshore, the, the pullback, so the amount of weight that the, the head or the top drive can pull back is, um, yeah. what, to make a comparison, um, is 2 million tonnes. Um, mm-hmm. And the rig that I'm on at the moment can do 30,000 tonnes. So that's, wow. so to be, a, to be a driller offshore, it normally takes um, uh, like 12 years, but to become a driller on land, you can, depends on your situation. If 
they are needed push people up quickly or anything like that, you can do it within a year sort of thing. Right, right. Yeah. But then you're, you're not ready. When you become a driller, you're never ready. You're constantly learning. I'm still learning. The, bloke, uh, the senior driller that we've got out where we are, he's still learning, and they're, they're not shy to say that, even though he's been doing yeah. it for um, actual drilling for 15 years. Right. Yeah. And, and the roughnecks probably is that that's the more risky sort of dangerous. Um, yeah. So you're at sea. Yeah. Yeah. You're in the line yeah. fire every second of the day. Um, out there, they've got this thing about drops. So you know, you know, like an, an offshore rig, you got a massive mast and everything's above yeah. your head. Um, yeah. So this thing about drops, where even if a nut falls off a bolt or anything like that, um, they calculate um, the severity of that drop. And yeah, it's, okay. yeah, it's these things so, go through your shoulder. And, yeah, yeah. So the, the, um, the driller is the driller, I suppose, like the captain in a sense. He, he like wears all the liability if something goes wrong. Is he like the guy in control? Yeah. Or? So normally, um, it's just two or three of you on a rig. Where offshore, mm -hmm. there's um, say 60, 70 people asleep, and then 60, 70 oh. people at work. Um, so you've got in that. So it's called the doghouse believe it or not, is where the driller sits. Um, yeah. And he, he's virtually, so on land, you're in charge of everything. Where offshore, yeah. you, you virtually get told your parameters, get told what to do. But then you, you're in, it, it's, it's very full on. Um, you can, right. but you virtually have those 120, 140 blokes, lives in your hands as a driller. Oh, wow. But there's a few positions out of, offshore, the same, same thing. You've got the, like, your, their lives in your hands. Like um, the subsea bloke, uh, the BCO, yeah. barge captain, everyone, tool pusher. Yeah, right. And, uh, um, and you often hear like that working on these drill rigs, that, like you hear there's a lot of crazy things happening and, and um, oh, hear yeah. some stories. You got any any stories out there, um, memorable moments that you that stand out in your mind that you've well, there's a lot of enjoyable moments, um, but at one stage yeah. we um, we did hit gas. Um, another stage, our lifeline, which is the BOP, the blow-off preventer, which is gas uh -huh. coming up. Um, it's your second yeah. line of um, of protecting you, um, where that was not operating correctly, so it was wasn't going to do anything if anything was to happen. It was leaking, so virtually. It's like a spark coming up onto something that is run by diesel and um, all sorts of other um, ignition points on the rig. It just literally would blow up. Um, so yeah, we've had one with the we like we had a kick and then we we're controlling the kick would have been the most full-on stage. And I was in the shaker house, um, very important part of it. Um, and you're virtually trying to put more weight onto what is coming up. The amount of pressure that's coming up, you're trying to beat it with yeah. how much weight you're putting on it, and that uh, went for weeks. weeks. Was that was that onshore or offshore? Offshore. Offshore. Um, right. A weird one back when I first got into it. Um, we were putting PVC pipe down a hole that we just uh, drilled, um, and so you're virtually feeding down this 12 metre long bit of PVC pipe at a time down about 250 metres, and um. We opened the foot clamps, which is what um, you're, you're using that, and the offsider at the time, which was me, um, is holding yeah. it and uh, doing it so it doesn't fall down, and you're gluing yeah. it, holding it, gluing it like that. Um, and anyway, we opened the foot clamps, and 
about 80, 90 metres at the time of PVC, just went up in the air like spaghetti. It was insane, absolutely insane. I had no idea what was going on. Anyway, wow. then, then the geo that doesn't normally come out, which is virtually the boss, he's the client. Yep. Um, and they, they were saying to me, go make it look like you're measuring it out. This didn't happen. <laughs> like, uh, it's just spaghetti, like shards of PVC everywhere. Out in the desert. Is that just gas, like just pressure build up the gas or water? Or? I've got no idea. But you, if you were to think about it, gas is probably the answer. Um, but the yeah. thing is, that was an open hole. It had static water in it, which water's nothing compared to gas. Um, yeah, it's yeah. There's no weight holding the gas back. It probably was gas, but that we didn't have any yep. gas in there previous to that occurring at the end of a hole. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, what sort of you guys do pretty big hours? They change a fair bit. How many hours? Like, are you working in each shift? Uh, so at least twelve. And um, you're not really supposed to do more than 16. Okay, but that, that's, is that common for you to be doing 16? Um, it depends what's going on. If you're under the pump, right. if you're trying to get something back, yep. to, and um, the, the, the night shift might not be as onto it or anything like that, or if you're doing it together, um, mm -hmm. yeah, it can. It's, a, it, it's not a, as common occurrence, but yeah, you do. So some, some jobs you end up having to do 14 hours on a regular basis. And I'm, I'm very lucky at the moment where I'm actually just doing 12-hour shifts. And it, as okay. soon as that, it's pretty solid that it's going to be 12 hours. When you wake up, you're yeah. doing it. Yeah. Is that, and, and when you're doing these big 12, 16-hour shifts, are they, is it go, go, go the whole time? Do you have any downtime in there? Or? Um, so diamond drilling is considered as gentleman drilling. Um, so once okay. you actually get to the stage where you're drilling, um, mm -hmm. that's when you're doing maintenance it's when you're um, getting on top of things. So you virtually try and smash out, um, as an offsider, as the offsider, um, there, go, go, go. Um, it depends on the company, what the driller's like or the supervisor's like or anything like that. Um, but yeah. to, you're, it's never-ending catch-up. You're never on top of everything. If you are, something's about to happen. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, it's, yeah, to be ready to go. Um, and then, then for drilling itself, it's all about getting to the stage when you're actually drilling. And if you get to drill, 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 it's an epic shift. But if, if you were to drill all shift and yeah. nothing happens, yeah, you've, you've had a very, very good shift. Yeah. Especially if you can link up shifts like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, and the dangers, like what are the main like, risks that you have, I suppose, is um, gas and, and the equipment that you're using? Is that So it's pretty much... Um, all the pipe itself, mm -hmm. um, and then all yep. the chances, you know, all the all the finger injuries and things like that, and then also uh, line of fire. Um, a lot of people um, like might pull the shoulder out, um, or they'd have um, different injuries like that where they get struck by pipe. Um, yep. yeah, yeah. Mainly how, line how of fire. So each three meter rod itself yep. is about 35 kilos which is hq hot which is about four inches of core so it's a bit larger than yep. that um mm -hmm. so it's 35 kilos each but then we do it in nine meter lengths six meter lengths you have to pick up that pipe itself and it's, it's so it's not like picking up 35 kilo weight which is a nice easy pickup it's it's all about uh technique and how you hold on to it the balance of it and then you're walking across mud 
So yeah. put it into a very specific position. Yeah, it's right. yeah. It's all technical. Yeah, so, so there's a lot of um, there's a lot of blokes that come out here that are quite big and strong and look like they could kill it, and they'll um, yeah. hurt their wrist or they'll yeah not have the technique correctly and they try and muscle it and yeah. It's a it's a weird back, one. It's, back injuries with that twisting and moving. Oh yeah, but um, we had a last kid. So was about did a hernia. Oh, right, shit. Yeah, in his guts, yeah. Mm -hmm. he, um, he actually got out of a camping chair and uh, did a pull to hernia, so it's got nothing to do with what I was just talking about. Uh, <laughs> it's hilarious. This bloke is, um, is, I think he was finishing a run, so you got to go uh -huh. stop the pot spinning, turn the pump off, all that sort of stuff, break core. Um, he yeah. was like, oh, yeah, run's finished. Went to get up, pop, hernia. No shit. No shit. Heck yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so offshore, um, what's the, like the main differences, I suppose, offshore compared to drilling on land? Like, Yeah, so pretty much offshore, I find it very interesting and it would take you uh -huh. a decade to get your head around everything to do with offshore. There's, no, there's that many moving parts. Yep. It's a... Uh, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars worth of kit. Um, and mm -hmm. the ones that we were on were built in like the 70s, the 80s, and then they try and upgrade them a little bit here and there. So it's called yeah. third gen, fourth gen, fifth gen, uh, where now if yeah. you've gone to a new rig, they're virtually up to uh, eighth generation, where it's a lot of, uh, it takes the human element out of all the all the hard parts of doing the job. Um, so when we, a lot of the rigs are still in Australia as well, because uh, Australia, having a rig in Australia is very, very expensive. Um, mm -hmm. So you have older rigs in Australia. Yeah, there are a couple of new rigs, um, but yeah, in general, I've only ever been on old rigs. Put that way. Um, so it's yeah. all physical. You're wrapping your arm around um, the pipe. You're putting it over the stump. Mm -hmm. You're pulling the slips out. The slips itself weigh um, say 120, 150 kilos. And they come out of the ground every two minutes if you're tripping pot, roughly. It would be one minute. Uh -huh. um, yeah. You can do that by yourself, the correct I'll technique, or you can do it with two people. Yeah. 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 You're supposed to have two people. So is there a bit of machinery that's, is there a bit of machinery like that's lifting it and you're just guiding it? Is that how it works? Or? So virtually it's a drill floor, and then you've got where the slips go, and they're like fingers. Yeah. Like that. So when the pipe right. comes down, it locks in, wedges in like that, and um, it would be a foot of steel that wedges it in. That's about how tall the, the slips are. And then, then the drill floor itself right, is like right. you know, a foot in thickness of steel. Yeah. Uh -huh. And how do you go, um, like, with everything else offshore, like... Um exercise like training sleeping is, is it do you find it a lot different to uh working on la uh, land rigs and stuff like in terms of yeah so so offshore there's a lot more um uh, similar minded people to myself that want to get out there mm -hmm. and be fit like so to get be fitter when they they get home um yeah mm -hmm. so you you go out there there's no drinking like it's not even an option mm -hmm. unless you somehow smuggle it out there which i've never come across uh -huh. Um, yeah, there's, yeah, so there's no drinking for four weeks. You work four weeks stints, mm -hmm. by the way. Um, yeah, so you go out there. Um, the food is generally very good. Um, yeah. You actually get smokos 
Um, when, I, when I used to be in the shaker house, I didn't really get smokos. But um, you actually get smokos if you're, say if you're not a rough neck, you get smokos. Yeah. Um, but where, right, right. Um, in comparison to land, if you want to eat, you've virtually got it in one hand and you're eating that while you're working. Yeah. You, when you're on land, you work for 12 hours. Yeah. Where offshore, you've got, um, you'd be like, oh, you can smash it out for three hours because you're going to, you're going to get a wrap or you're going to get to have a coffee or, yeah. Um, but then the, so you're in, um, uh, cabins of, there's, there's four beds or two beds in a cabin, uh, where two of those people are at work or one of the other persons at work. Um, you get treated real good offshore. You get treated like a king offshore. And then on land, uh, for example, um, in Savage River, we didn't even have. So there was one dude that had been to jail, and he was saying that, it, that the cells are bigger than what we were staying in. So the dongers that we're in. Yeah. That was Northwest Coast of Tasmania. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, so land, the blokes are more so um, into their drinking and um, just having a pie and a coffee and a beer. Where offshore, it's. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, paid a lot more money as well. So you, yeah. yeah, yeah. Four weeks on, four weeks off nice. compared to my last hitch was three and a half weeks with five or six days off. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot different. Eh? And, and are you finished offshore or are you just like, you're just not? I'm still interested. Um, so at the time yeah. when I was finishing up offshore, when the, so it's all contracts. Um, so at the time the, the contract was coming up and they always say, oh, we're going to extend the contract or we're going to go do this other contract. Um, but at the time, um, if you remember uh, back a couple of years ago, the oil price was down to, I think it got down to $15 a barrel. So I was yeah. lucky to even be on board at the time. Uh, there was probably, yeah. um, there was thousands of blokes with the same skill set as me that didn't have a job when I did have still have a job. So I was, I was counting myself lucky at the time, but now I've been a little bit unlucky to not still be back offshore now that it's ramped back up to about $67 a barrel, American dollars. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I'm very much so interested in it, but in saying that I've, um, I do enjoy yeah. land rigs, very much so. Um, offshore, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd never say never, no, that's for sure. But I'm loving what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. I'm loving um, it's pushed me towards um, what I'm looking at, the mushrooms. Um, yeah. If I wasn't working on land, I wouldn't have heard about the mushrooms because I was doing a podcast. Um, and, yeah. 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 Oh, I, and, um, when, when you're not making as much money anymore, you're looking at um, trying to improve that sort of situation. So that's what's now leading to something that's very exciting with the the yeah. uh, life cycle mushrooms. Yeah, yeah. Which we'll get into. Oh, just lost him. Stand by there. Um, Brett's just, I think his internet's taken a dive down there in Tassie. Just wait for him to come back online. So Brett was just mentioning that he is getting to farming mushrooms, which we're going to dig into very shortly. So you were just saying, you were mentioning um, you met, oh, you heard about the life cycle mushrooms um, on the, on the yeah, land. The, um, it was the, the it's called uh, Plant Proof Podcast. 
um, and life cycle right. went on that. Um, a couple of blokes yeah. broke from Frio um, that also work away. Um, and right. yeah, the fact that they did work away, um, they were like, oh, this gives us a perfect opportunity to um, start a business um, with their time yeah. off. And yeah, so right. they, they, they use the working away, making, making more money to be able to start a business. And um, yeah, the time off that you get yeah. to be able to, to yeah. break away. Which a lot of people aren't. Yeah, right. yeah. All right. Well, let, let's dive into this, um, into the mushroom farming and stuff. So, did you actually? Do you actually? Um, I thought. I think I saw you, you were using mushrooms for like energy supplements or something, were you? At some stage. Yeah. So, um, I from that podcast itself, um, and from yep. looking into it as well, um, I was looking into cordyceps, which is a type of mushroom. Um, as a it's it's a performance enhancing sort of pre workout natural um, pre workout pre workout instead of having um, all that other bad stuff all those other chemicals that you put in your system to amp yourself up, which um, I, I I do take previous to that do take pre workout, um, right. and I I always wanted to know a better way a more natural way to get yourself going, which is also yep. to do with cold showers which I'll talk about a bit later. Um, okay. But yeah, um, yeah. So cordyceps um, itself became famous by the it's the the Chinese or the Japanese um, Olympic team who right. they they were breaking records and they got drug tested yeah. and it, the main thing they were taking were cordyceps. Um, it, right. it seemed to um, increase your VO two max by two percent if you do train. If you don't train, up to fifteen percent. And um, yeah, it works okay. on your your ATP. Um, yeah. It's awesome. Um, that's just and one mushroom. Kind of yeah, yeah. It's, it's legal, mushroom. obviously, as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, not, um, okay. it's not suicide or anything like that. It's not a hallucinogen yeah. or anything like that. Do you still use them? Yes. Yes, I do. Um, I've got yeah. my partner, Lou, uh, loves it. Um, another bloke over here, um, Ed, loves the, um, the mushrooms since we've introduced him to cordyceps and a few other mushrooms as well. Yeah. Um, there's mm-hmm. a few, few mates that we have over in Sydney. Um, one of them is actually behind me. I can hear him. Um, he yeah. he loves his cordyceps and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the shit, mate. Well, you, 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 I know that you train as well. You do your your crossfit. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. you would um, you'd be able to get you going with the with the pre workout, like you were saying. Um, I'm also of the same um inclination with the not eating before exercising, um, because it's mm-hmm. in the morning as well. Because I, I also fast uh, sixteen hours. Yeah. Often uh, eight hours on, sometimes eighteen okay. and six. Depends what's going on. Um, yeah. So previous, I don't know, about five years ago. Say you'd think, I, I from my own opinion, um, I thought that you had to eat before you train, eat straight away after you train, all that sort of stuff. But yeah, I yeah. find that also perform better, think quicker, more sharp, all that sort of stuff. Get more done in a faster state. But, um, right, but right, yeah, yeah. If, you, if you take a small amount of cordyceps, that's not breaking you fast. If you have a black coffee, yeah. it's not breaking you fast, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah. Right, right. But um, um, yeah, I'm, on, I'm, I'm full on um, agreeing with you with the no need to. But do you, do you train in the morning or in the afternoon? Oh, I, I've just started training in the afternoon, to be honest. I used to train early mornings, like 6 a.m., but in the last sort of six to, uh, six to 12 months, I've noticed I've been getting a few injuries and stuff, um, which I've never had before. So I've changed to train in the afternoon. So like my body's warmed up. Um, yeah. You know, I've been moving in the morning, usually like I'll start in the morning. Yeah. 
and then um, by the afternoon, my my, um, my body's good to go, you know, for, for the gym. And I've noticed it's made a big difference. I'm, yeah, no more like niggly injuries and stuff. I think it's just the product of getting older, mate, you know. Just clicked over 30, yeah. 32 now. So, yeah. 32. Um, just getting yeah, started. 30... <laughs> um, yeah, so, and now back to the mushroom. So you're actually, uh, which is, is it called obviously farming? Yeah, it's considered uh, farming yep. as a category, yeah. Um, so virtually right. there's a 40-foot a 40, a 40 sea container on its way over to mine. Um, it's currently wow. getting um, trucked from Devonport, which is the top of uh, Tassie, down to yep. one of the most southern points of Tasmania, which is where I am in South Arm. Um, yep. Yeah. Once that arrives, I'm going to start doing samples to restaurants and cafes and get, getting the word out there. Right, so you're going to grow your mushrooms in a 40-foot container? Yeah, so virtually you get, um, it's it's coffee waste. So as you know, when you go get a coffee at a, at a cafe, that mm. small amount of coffee that's actually used, and then the rest of it is just chucked away into the bin. Yeah. Um, right. You can use it for all sorts of stuff. Um, and, the, and the boys at Lifecycle realise that they can actually do, uh, the, the, the mushrooms actually eat, eat the coffee. And they grow from the coffee. Okay, that's interesting. So it's virtually it's so, recycling, it's organic, it's vegan. Yeah. Yeah. So is this something that you want to uh, have take over your drilling, um, like overwork drilling, and this is going to be like your um, um, full time gig? Or? Yeah. So it will overlap for now. Right. And then, um, but yeah. So I've been in this industry for uh, nine years now. Um, but right. for now, there's there's no. I'm not going to be quitting um, as of when the container rocks up, sort of thing. Um, but yeah, yeah, it will be. Give it a few years' time, um, which it, it will be a success for sure. Um, the way that I see it, panning all out. Yeah. Um, yeah, it will be. It will eventually take over drilling. Yeah. Awesome. That's great. And you're also um, what other? You're also involved in a few other little projects. Yeah, so the very first business that um, me and my partner, uh, Louise, started uh, was a scanning business. So it's an in-body scanner. Um, we, we used to do, you know how F45s have their eight-week challenge? And then also other gyms that, um, say, have a challenge for their, for their members to, um, say, put on size or lose weight or just eat healthy and uh, try and make yep. them do that um, for an ongoing basis. Um, so yeah, we, we use our scanner to scan them at the start of the, the challenge and then at the end of the challenge, or just scan people in general if they want to see where they're at with their fitness, see if what yeah. the effort that they're putting in is actually um, benefiting them or not, if they should take, do a different form of training, eat differently. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a scanner. That was the first thing we got into over in Perth. Um, and then at the time we were, my partner's from Tasmania. Um, I'm from Fremantle. Um, we were moving over here, so we got ourselves another scanner, um, and we started started off the scanner, one of a kind, which was in Tasmania at the time. Now there's a few little um, cheaper versions of our scanner kicking around, but we're still the, the main scanner uh, for Tassie. Right, cool. We, um, yeah, we, we travel all the way to the top of the state, bottom of the state, to, to scan people, for mainly for challenges. Okay, cool, cool. And you were telling me, you mentioned yeah, so to me um, about Louise, uh, you, you said she had a, a world record, is that right? Yeah, 
Yeah, so um, back um, at the end of last year in November, uh-huh. I'd say it would have been, mm-hmm. um, she had a crack at the one-hour burpee world record. Um, so just burpees non-stop for an hour. Yeah, so you know, you, you'd be knowing what a burpee is, and um, a lot of the people yes. on your page would know what a burpee is. Uh, so this is a technical burpee where you can't just bounce off the ground. Like, so say you even get your chest to the ground and then you bounce back off. You can't do that. Yeah. You've got to put your arms out, oh. straight, straight away from your body, and then come back in, right. push back off, and be perfectly right. straight. Have your feet come yeah. over a certain line, go behind a certain line. It was insane. Uh-huh. It was a technical burpee. Wow. And she did uh, 709. Wow, in an hour. Yeah. Yeah, she was just, Jeez. it was insane. Just it was, it was great. To, um, we had um, hundreds of people um, come into a hole. Uh, we had a DJ wow. to get Lou going. And there was a few, it was quite funny, a few of the songs she actually did more burpees uh, because yeah, of right. the tunes itself. Uh, yeah. She got to be a little bit carried away at the start. And um, but she yeah. got over the line. She was on in, in, doing an insane pace at one stage there. Uh, but yeah. Yep. So as of right now, if um, anyone else that's ever done a, a record would know, it takes forever to get all the all the paperwork through and to get approved. But um, we yeah. saw her do 709. Um, she had to get 700. And yeah, we 100% think that she's got it. Um, she's been wow. in conversations with um, Guinness, Guinness Book um, as of only like, last week. And yeah, it's, it's looking yeah. good. They're asking so, the question. So, it sounds like it's Yeah, nice. yep. Um, at the time, it was uh, live feed on, on Facebook. Oh, incredible. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. How, how do you, would you flog you in burpees, or do you reckon you give her a run? Uh, so at one stage, there, we went to a CrossFit gym in Tassie, and um, we were supporting someone else, uh, a bloke that was doing um, burpees. Um, and at the time, mm-hmm. I did um, 800. Um, but they oh, were, wow. it's just a burpee, like a normal burpee. Yeah. Um, where right. if you were to do if she was to do the normal burpee per se, she would be able to get yeah. a yeah, you know, eight nine hundred burpees. Um, yeah, I, I've definitely pushed her previously, but she's an absolute burpee machine. It's like it's it's her thing. Um, if, if you rock up to BroFit, which is this, this thing that I've got on here, is guaranteed at some stage yep. you'd be banging out burpees. All thanks to Luke. Loves them. Yeah. <laughs> um, mate, going back to uh, drilling. So you, you were telling me that you worked over in Africa for um, for a while. Yeah, went over there for um, it was about ten months all up. Um, yeah. And it's, it's a place called Danikul Depression in Ethiopia. Um, yeah, right. it was an absolute experience and a half. Um, I was very, I'd say, I was very naive at the time and the old way of um, Australians saying she'll be right sort of thing. Um, yep. Yeah, I did not know what I was getting myself into whatsoever. But um, yeah. it was work. So um, it was a, it was a chance to go overseas to to do what I do, and yeah, yeah. and to give back a little bit as well. Uh-huh. And so, what did you fly into, like just the um, capital of Ethiopia, and then transport to this place? Or how did how did you get there? And what? Yeah, what it was, was insane. Uh, so we flew from from Perth to Dubai to the capital mm-hmm. of Ethiopia. Um, and then we um, it was Addis Ababa, and then to a small town called Macali, which we flew there, which is uh, it's like it's, it's a uni town. Um, you know, when you say you think of Ethiopia, you think of um, insane 
um, long distance runners. We got to see that firsthand, yep. which was insane. Um, they all run at an altitude of, so that town itself is 2,000 metres above sea level. Yeah, so from Perth to uh, uh, Dubai to a place yep. called Addis Ababa, which is the capital of yeah. Ethiopia, to a little town right. called Macali. And then from Macali on a very small little plane um, that you fly from 2,000 metres above sea level to 200 metres below sea level to Danical Depression. The depression part right. of the name is to do with the fact that it's, it's down in a ditch sort of thing. 200 metres below right. sea level. Right. Yeah. Yeah, um, There's a lot of... there's right. When we're used to road rules and things like that in Australia, there's there's a thing called um, chat over there that they can they can eat and they get high on and you can actually hallucinate from chat. And it's just a, it's just a leaf wow. off a off a bush. Um, easy access. Mm -hmm. You literally just pick pick the leaf off the bush through it. Yeah, it's insane. So they can drive on that sort of stuff. Insane. Right. Um, uh, honey wine. If you were to have a, a bottle of honey wine, you one might have three percent, the next one might have fifteen. Who knows right. what you're going to get when you when you drink that? But um, we also had a, a it's called a it's a camel train that um goes out and to a salt mine out where we were, and there were these blokes mm -hmm. look like they were 15, going out to work yeah. with a hammer and a chisel and two or three camels, and uh, you know that um chalky string that you, you tie things up with, um that's all they oh, went yeah. out to work with, and I would chop out um a block of salt, which was about a kilo. And then I'll have 200 kilos tied to this camel. Insane. That's right. gone past that drill site. Yeah. Right. right. And also, like safety, did you guys have to have like um, any personal security with you while you were um, working there? Or yeah. Yeah, we had. Uh, it's called militia. Um, protected us. Right. Um, at the time, right. there was um, a war going on across the border, and yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, right. And so you were there for 11 months. Did, did, was there any incidents while you were there? That... So an, in, a, an incident that happened out there, um, a, a bloke that was – so because we um, worked in the Danical Depression and it was 200 metres below sea level, the, the tide that came in from the Red Sea was just insane. It would go for Ks and Ks and Ks, similar to what you people experience in, um, like up in Northern Territory. Um, so right. we had to – have a, a road to the drill site, the drill pad up, up nice and high. So we had all these construction blokes that were Ethiopian um, that would build our pads, per se. Anyway, um, there was a bloke that was on chat. Um, they've all got AKs. Um, they're the ones that are potentially protecting us. Um, yeah, so they um, had a bit of a night of it. And this bloke that had quite a lot of chat thought that the truck was turning into a monster. Um, so he shot up um, quite a few trucks with his AK. Oh, and um, in the morning, we, we went to work. And um, I've got there's actually photos on my Facebook of trucks with bullet holes in the doors and things like that. And, and that's what we got told what, what happened. And, yeah. yeah. So it's just like that. Uh, also, with the, the militia protecting us, they you never really did know if anything did really happen, if they would actually protect us or not. And, yeah, so it was... Right. Full on. Not long yeah, after right. when I left and Ethiopia, there, was a few planes got hijacked out there. Oh, Jesus. And was, was there anyone in the, the trucks when this guy was shooting at them? 
No, so it was it was of the night. So yeah, it was just a parked up truck that was apparently turning oh, into right. a monster. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> wow. Mm. And would you go? Yeah, would you go back to Africa? Um, I think I feel like I've had that experience. Um, the the contract itself was going to go for five years, and um, it got canned after about ten months. Unfortunately, so I was in there. I was in there for the long haul. Um, and yeah. yeah. So we had a question from uh, Terry um, from FIFO Inspo, and he wanted to know what what's the weather like over work where you're working uh, in Africa compared to Australia, and are the flies <laughs> as annoying as the flies in Africa in Australia? <laughs> so um, we've um yeah so over in Ethiopia um it was. Uh, this is the hottest place. It's considered the hottest place in the world, which has got the Danical Depression. There's actually a, there's a BBC documentary on it, um, and it just talks about um, how the dry heat. There's uh, there's volcanoes over there. There's sulfur pits. Um, it's just hot. So the, even the type of drilling that we're doing there was um, geothermal, which is where when the muds come back up, your returns come up. You can't. It's like as hot as a coffee. So you're talking 60, yeah. 70 degrees um, where you can't, where normally you, you're hands-on with all your gear. You can't touch the pipe um, when it's first come back out of the ground, all that sort of stuff. There's a lot of cavities. We had a lot of uh, dramas actually drilling out there. We've um, lost returns and, yeah. But, um, yeah, the flies, I can't even remember, to be, to be honest. The flies mustn't have been too bad because I don't really remember about the flies there. Wow. Is it um, is it a dry heat? Yeah. So at some stages, the the wind itself is hotter than the temperature. It's in, yeah. So if, when you you cop that um, in the afternoon, um, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Um, as a lot of people know, um, that, that work away, that work say in anywhere that's hot, which is virtually most of Australia, um, you can't even touch. Like the, the pipe, you can't have to leave your hand on some, some steel or anything for too long. It's just extremely hot. Um, if anyone out there has heard of um, a place called, say, Telfa, it's similar to Telfa up, up in the northwest coast of Australia. Yeah. All oh, right, right. Yeah. Jeez. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, so you're, and you're pretty, pretty much done there. You wouldn't go back, eh? Uh, yeah, so I've been there, done that sort of thing. But um, I wouldn't take back going there in the first place. The fact that nothing happened definitely helps with that. But um, yeah, yeah. We um we walked around with knives. We had knives. Um, we, back in the day when um, yeah. So we had yeah we had knives. Yeah, we were, we were told after the first hit they were like you should probably get a knife when you're going to come back and yeah. yeah. It was funny actually. I took a kettle gun. Oh, we would have been 23, 22, 23. Oh, God. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's where the naive bit comes in, as, as I said. Yeah. Um, where it's like, oh, yeah, she'll be yeah. right. Sounds like fun. Yes. <laughs> um, I actually um, got down <laughs> yeah. to um, 55 kilos when I was in Africa. It was just, it was real bad. Like we, weren't, we were eating, um, we were eating uh, goat. Um, if anyone out there has had goat before, 
Um, it was actually quite nice. It's very tough, but um, you get used to it. You can do curries and things like that. But um, it was yeah, not good. And that's that's fifteen kilos lighter than I am now. So yeah. Another interesting thing about um Ethiopia is um they actually to intimidate you. They sharpen their teeth, so they sharpen their teeth to a point, or like all their teeth to to wow. come across yeah aggressive yeah. The very tribal. Scary, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's insane. Uh-huh. Yeah, as you can imagine, we working, we working going into a tooth, like the nerves in your teeth, and yeah. yeah. Sorry, what were you saying? Were you working like directly um, with Ethiopians? Or? Yeah, so it's a part of the job is um to get locals work, um and to yeah. help them out sort of thing, um and for them to not hate us as much as they might. Um, in the previously, um, we also did a water ball for yeah. them as well. Um, and we found cool little things for them. Um, like at the one time we get, we went past a tip and we found a foosball table. Um, and we gave them to yeah. the kids and yeah, we we got to interact with them, and um, it yeah. was cool that we got to do a water ball for them. It was um, it was good to do that instead of um, just mm. drilling a hole for a large. Yeah, company. did you stay in a camp? Did you stay in a camp there, or just like local we, accommodation? Or yeah, so it was a makeshift uh, camp. Um, there was a lot of um, like TP style setups, and we actually slept in sea containers with aircons in them. Oh, okay. There was um, bed bugs, insane amount of bed bugs. So you'd, you'd wake up, you go to bed, you know that you're not even away from the, the shit per se. Um, yeah, you've got bed bugs, and yeah, you'd wake up with sores and. Yeah, it's just, it was disgusting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's um that's pretty hectic. Yeah. All right. Well, um that's covered a lot of a lot of our questions. Oh yeah, so you were saying that's how you got into kettlebell training and that's what you do now. And I've also noticed on your Instagram you um you train like every day. I've even seen you training while you're on site or on the job. Yeah, we're doing testing at the time. I wasn't too sure if I should put that up or not, but I was like, fuck, it should be right. Um, yeah, so at one stage there, I was in the um, in the gold fields over in WA, and there was no, it was a camp job. Um, so there's no, it's not a mine site or anything like that. It was going, it's going to be a mine site eventually because uh, we found a bit of, bit of good minerals over there. Um, but yeah, so all we had access to were yeah. two light kettlebells. So I uh, to get my fix per se, um, I was doing a ridiculous amount of reps with uh, like 12, 16 kilo kettlebells. Um, and then mm-hmm. from doing that, I was looking it up on YouTube. I was, um, a lot of the Russian army sort of stuff is from kettlebells. And um, it just yeah. branched off from there. And then now I just, yeah, I love them. Love the way, uh, way that the weight sits in the kettlebell. Um, all the different things that you can do with it, with a full body workout, um, cardio, strength, endurance, all that sort of stuff. Um, so now I've got yeah, yeah. every kettlebell from uh, what from twenty kilos up to forty eight. Yeah, oh, and um, yeah, I love it, love it. Um, and yeah, now so um, when I go to random jobs here and there, I even um, I just buy kettlebells and get them sent to the post office and yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice, nice. I got kettlebells um, everywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You, you just you could keep one on the rig, couldn't you? Just about. Yeah, as long as um, 
as long as the other blokes out there that are interested in it, which I'm lucky enough for the moment they are. So yeah, yeah, yeah. getting away with it. Oh, nice, cool man. Yeah. Um, well, that that's um, that covers a lot of our questions um, specifically to your um, your job. I've got a few questions for you that I wanted to ask. Um, they're just some random ones, actually, off Tim Ferriss's um, tribe of mentors, and I just like to pick one or two or a couple of questions out of there. So. Yep. So if you could have a massive billboard sign anywhere, where would uh, it be and what would it say? Be nice. Shoot, like just be nice to each other. <laughs> have a cold shower. Say say your gratitudes in the morning. Um be grateful for the simplest of things. Like right now I'm looking across at um, Mount Wellington, which is down at Hobart. Um, yeah, just be grateful uh-huh. for the simplest of things. Um, yeah, so just say, yeah, be grateful, be grateful. Big block yep. letters, yeah, yeah, nice. That's um, you, you stung me out. I've thought about that sort of thing before, even though I've heard him ask that. That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Be grateful, yeah, nice. Um, all right, the next one, uh, your best investment for. Uh, $100 or less, anything? Um, I actually stole one off, um, I think it's Sarah Sigmund's daughter. I bought it for my oh, wife, yeah. Lou. Um, and it was where, so you know how you always use your phone to wake yourself up, say so if you're working away or, you know, to, to your alarm. So it's like buzzing yep. at your ear first thing when you wake up. Uh, it's, a, it's a Philips, the brand Philips uh, clock. And it, it just it's just a massive light that beams out into your room and that's what actually wakes you up. So natural light, well, it's not natural light, but it looks it's equivalent of natural light to wake you up instead of having your phone yep. buzzing. Wow. Oh no, we've lost him again, guys. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Hope you enjoyed it. As you notice, we had one last dropout which concluded our episode. Uh, we managed to cover everything that we wanted to, so um, thanks for tuning in once again. Don't forget to click subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Spotify. All the best, guys.